0: Vodka, 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 Vodka O'Clock. Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you're listening to Vodka O'Clock from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget, you can now sponsor the show and the website. Go to Patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked and you can pledge as little as a dollar per week. And today, I am so delighted that I get to bring you another episode where we nerd completely out. Um, It will be dorktastic, I hope. So, welcome to the show, Comic News Insider host, Jimmy Aquino. Hello. Hello. Congratulations on your 600th episode. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah. Also, our 10-year anniversary is next week. So, it's uh, April 13, 2005 was the first show, and 600 uh, just happened last week, and it was awesome. Mega, epic event was really fun, special guests, and lots of silly little songs, and... and and fun stuff happened. So it was really cool.
0: Yeah, I saw lots of pictures from that. It looks good. Yeah, we do
1: record. We always do the anniversary episodes live at a bar, at a friend's bar, a restaurant. And uh, it's really, really fun because then we get like a nice crowd of people. You know, it's great doing it at home, chilling with friends. But then when you're in front of a group because, you know, the old recovering actor and me, I need your approval. You know, so it was actually got it in person, you know, so.
0: Yeah, the audience feels good. Yeah. It's that Yeah. We, it's like. No, they're there just to see you. Yeah. There must be what I imagine, like, Meltdown Comics must be like. Yeah, and, like, when we first started back
1: in the day, Producer Joe, now Producer Joe, we always produced it, but former co-host Joe, he, uh, when we started, we would he had a much bigger place then, and we would invite people over on occasion to come over, you know, to hang out with us, to do as so We'd have, like, a little small little, you know, five, ten people. Um, and my idea originally was, like, let's do this every week with people, you know? And then he was like, Oh no, that's too big of a thing. And you know, he had, you know, other stuff going on and I did too, but I was like, Oh, we can get an audience man. But I understood, but yeah, other people took that and went with it. So that's fine.
0: So you've had this wonderful long journey mm-hmm. and, you know, as you mentioned, Joe has, has changed his role from time to time. Mm-hmm. He, you know, awesome and like went to do good heroic work for a while well
1: it still is yeah he has an amazing um, charity he started years ago called the project solution and people should definitely look it up it's called go to theprojectsolution.org and they do very workable and doable projects around the world you know they raise money for 100 percent of the profits go to this projects. very first one years ago was building a well in africa for nine hundred dollars i'm like that's a night at the strip club for me, so that's pretty great.
0: Yeah, that's really incredible. Yeah. Nice that he he does so much amazing work. Yeah. So, um, and I know that occasionally, like our our dear friend Erica joins you on the show. Yeah,
1: the podcast wife Erica for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: she's like, her career has like taken off like a skyrocket. Finally, it probably doesn't seem like that to her. I imagine. No, I know. Yeah, nothing's overnight, she, kids. Nothing's overnight. No, <laughs> really not. She's a newborn star after yeah. 10 years or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I always chalk it up, too, very humbly, that once they start appearing on Comic News Insider, suddenly they get work. So, I don't know. You you do the math. So, uh...
0: So yeah, let's talk about some of your incredible guests. I know it's probably impossible to pick just one best episode or moment. Oh, my God. <laughs> but can you, can you, in all of these years, think of something that happened that was, you know, the dream come true for you. I mean, besides great times with great friends, yeah, which yeah. is something you do all the time, um, you know, is there, is there something there in 600 yeah. amazing episodes?
1: I mean, you know, we've had all sorts of from people from comic book writers to artists to editors and to actors and producers and all that sort of stuff. And... I've definitely had a few moments where where I felt like, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. You know? and um, Or just some really cool moments. Like, I think one of the first ones was with Steve Rude. We had him on the phone. And we probably talked for almost two hours, me, him, and Joe. And he was just so excited to talk about his work and about art and the comic comics in general. And I'll admit... I, I hadn't read much of um, Nexus before we talked to him, but then, like when I knew he was coming up, I boned up on it, borrowed my friend's collection, and read all of it, you know, and and then read the moth and read all this other stuff he, you know, like of course I read some of his other work, but um, he was just so lovely. Like people say, he has this he has this reputation of being sort of a hard ass, and he was the nicest guy. And at one point. He he's like, oh, you guys. Uh, I gotta run inside real quick, something with the kids and his wife. But I'm gonna call you right back. He called us right back, and we talked for another 40 minutes. And it was just really nice, you know, to sit there and sort of nerd out with this legend in the yeah. comics industry. Um, so fun, and it's and it, and it's rare that that doesn't happen because most people are so sweet. On occasion, you get like you know a jerk here and there, but um, usually if it's a you know someone in in the Hollywood area but um not not too much
0: that's cool yeah so would a uh, little like 13 year old jimmy ha- expect that this is how your life would have turned out or would he would he have expected that no
1: 13 year old jimmy thought he was going to be a giant superstar actor and uh you know by the time in not make it past 30 and and go out in a blaze of glory like james dean uh, <laughs> that's kind of true. I
0: some of those those early shots, oh, those yeah. early shots, black and white photos mm-hmm. of your headshots and comp cards. Oh yeah,
1: I uh, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I moved to New York in uh, back in the day and um, to be an actor, and I, you know, I gotta say I was pretty lucky. I worked a lot. I usually did three or four just in theater. I did three or four <laughs> shows a year, and uh, I had a great time doing it. And um, and then. I didn't really explore the TV and film side. I did, I did some um, soap opera work on Guiding Light, and uh, and I wanted to make it sound like oh I had oh like a guest star. No, I was a uh, I did under five and extra work on there, which was it was really fun. It paid really well. But the, besides that, I was like I never explored that side, and all my casting agents kept saying, you know, you got a really good look for film and TV. I'm like okay, and I just never bothered looking into it. So who knows? I could have been you know. Could have been on anything, but it didn't try. So, but but I was lucky. I worked I worked a lot in theater, so that was good. Mostly musicals, but it was fun stuff.
0: Well, that explains you know that you still early on had an appreciation for fiction and storytelling, and you know when when did you start reading comics?
1: The uh, really young. I um, I mean, I guess the first thing was reading the Sunday comics, Sunday funnies you know, yeah. and that was something I really latched on to, and, and then I used to buy, my mom would buy me all those little Charlie Brown books, um, but I'd always say, like, my first proper comic, I guess it would be, was um, a Richie Rich and Archie Digest, one. Of, I can't remember which one it was, I feel like it was Archie, but it might have been Richie Rich, and it was just in someone, like, the local pick and save down in Florida where I grew up, you know, and they had them there, and I was like, I want one of these, and that kind of got me going, of going to like the bookstore, but they didn't have a comic book store. They had a bookstore with comics in it, and I would go to the ten cent bin. Mom's like, "Here's a dollar," you know, and um, I just dig dig around, and, and most of the stuff I would get would be like a lot of stuff with the Richie Rich and Archie stuff. But then I really was, of course, a fan of Batman and from the from the DC cartoons, and so I was getting a lot of the Justice League stuff and the Batman and the Flash and Green Lantern. Yeah, it started, started started at a very early age.
0: So do you remember what your first actual comic shop experience was like?
1: Well, I guess you know? it was, like I said, there was this shop in Jacksonville, Florida called The Old Bookshop, and it was a bookstore. And they had a huge section where they maybe had of comics, and it was all these long boxes full of, you know, issues. But maybe, when I say huge, I would say maybe 20...
0: Because I've never seen it really combined like that, except for, yeah. you know, like big chain store, like at Borders or Barnes & Noble or something, where they have, like, kind of like a graphic novel section. It's usually filled with a bunch of manga. Yeah, well, I don't want
1: to reveal my age, but this is, uh, I'm old, I, so it was I've back just, in the 80s, you know, so, um,
0: yeah. I've just never seen one that's, like, a store. Yeah,
1: it was an old book, it was an old used bookshop, you know. And they had one section that had new stuff, but it was mostly all old used books. And this little section of like 20, maybe something long boxes. And they had the dime bin, the the quarter bin. And then they had this other stuff. And I, and I do distinctly remember We'd go in all the time or when we were in that area of town. And again, my mom would be like, here's a a dollar. You can get in, you know, and I would always go straight to the dime bin to, you know, more for my, more for my money and uh, get what I could. And then, as I got older, you know a proper comic book shop started opening up there and um uh that sort of I'd sort of fallen on the wayside when I got in my teens. I still kind of picked them up here and there, but between my you know teens and you know uh you know i didn't I didn't collect regularly you know I think it was probably around i gotta say so far, we all did the death of Superman. That sure. I got back into stuff. I'm like, or, you know, that's, that's not fair. And it was probably maybe the first Batman movie. I kind of got back into it and then and really started seriously collecting, you know, when the death of Superman happened. So, yeah, it was a lot.
0: <laughs> so you were pretty young, though, when you took off and moved to the, the Big Apple. Yeah, so... I was five.
1: No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was in my early, very early 20s. And that
0: sounds... Like, to me, it just sounds like I, – I mean, I don't even want to do that now and all the jobs are there. So I completely just don't understand that adventure side of people that want to take off and go to New York. But um, I've visited a couple of the comic shops there. So what do you normally do for your comics now?
1: Um, now, well, like, Midtown Comics was always my local – like, when I first moved here, there was this small little store. We, you know, My friend Matt and I he had also moved up here from, from uh, Florida – and we would find these comic shops around the city just exploring. And there's this one in Mid, right in the heart of Times Square called New York Comics. It was a small little place, and that was sort of my first spot I'd go to all the time. And they didn't last very long because that, I'm sure that rent was ridiculous because they were right there in the heart of Times Square. And then um, I'd find these little shops here and there all over. And then when Midtown opened, I was like, oh, this is it, this is my home. And the one in, Mid, in, the one in Midtown, the original. Mm-hmm. And I went there forever. Um, until digital happened to me only a couple years ago, Um, if that, a year and a half ago maybe, uh, and I was always saying I won't, I can't imagine going completely digital and I'm not completely, but um, single issue wise, like floppies, I'm 99% digital.
0: Yeah, me too. So
1: it's it's just so much easier. I still get, you know, graphic novels and some the occasional trade. And if I'm at a convention, I'll pick up someone's floppy, if it's, like, some, some small press something, you know, just to support and, and check it out, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm mostly digital now. It's comicology.
0: Yeah, I pretty much, the only hard copy things that I, I get are going to be either, like, Kickstarter rewards that have to be hard copies or... Like you said, going to the convention because I like to meet the people yeah. making the book yeah. first place and get to know them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I I enjoy picking up the books right from there because they're they got a they have table fees usually that are costing them a fortune. That oh, if they yeah. don't sell it there, <laughs> they're going to be pretty screwed. Yeah. Um, so I like to I like to do the that kind of shopping at the conventions. And otherwise, it's like. Yeah, I mean, I I used to get all my graphic novels at, like, big sales and stuff, because I just didn't, Mm -hmm. like, paying full price for.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to cut back when I moved a year and a half ago. um, I sold my floppy collection, which was about 50 long boxes and about 20 to 30 short boxes. So somewhere Mm -hmm. around, I'd say, over 10,000-plus comics. I I sold them to Shelton down at Heroes Con.
0: Oh yeah, okay, was great. <laughs> the main reasons that I went to digital too, but I donated my books. I just got rid of them. I have some. I mean I kept some. But yeah, I just didn't feel like uh, you know, trying to fit them into yet another space. Yeah, well
1: I had like over ten thousand so I'm like, I should make a little money off of this. I've invested yeah. in a lot, <laughs> you know, and
0: it's insane. Like that is uh, that is like a ton. Yeah. I mean I, I, you know, there there's always like um stories about who has the most who has the biggest collection or something that was, in the news a couple months ago. And, uh, but did you know exactly what you had?
1: Um, I knew a bunch of it, but I, uh, I was even going through it. So I remember when I was going through it before he was coming up and I was like, Oh, these are great runs. I had of like, of, uh, I found like the original Wolverine miniseries. I found, you know, I didn't have anything like that was like individual comics. I had in there. I had maybe some that were on the market, you could get for twenty or thirty dollars on eBay, like the first appearance of Gambit or something like that. But I'm like, ah, eh, that's not that rare. So anything I felt might have been rare, when I pulled out, but um, it wasn't much. So yeah, I got rid of all those, and then I kept um, about a bookshelf full, a bookshelf and a half full of graphic novels and trades. And even those, I'm starting to pare down. Like I have out there right now in my living room, I've got one bookshelf full of graphic novels and trades. Um, The second one, uh, I think it's only one. And then I have maybe what would sit on a couple shelves I took out and put in my room because I want to either sell those. or. And I started giving a lot away, though, actually. Um, But just either sell them or give them away. So I really am trying to pare down and, and get rid of a lot of stuff just because I'm like, well, I really love these stories, really like them, but it's rare that I pick it up again and read them. So...
0: Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So um, in a couple of weeks, we're having Free Comic Book Day, and that's on a Saturday. Did you get to actually take part in that because you work on weekends? No,
1: I never go. I went one time because also to me, and I have sort of a little rant I read every year about it. To me, Free Comic Book Day should be for bringing in new people. That, to me, that was the original idea was to bring new people in. But now even the companies, and it really annoys me, they're starting to do exclusive on Free Comic Book Day. So that means that people already reading need to go in and buy – or not buy, but get these comics because they're part of some major storyline. I'm like that's not the idea of Free Comic Book Day to me, and I don't think that's the original idea that it was. Um, So I I sort of have – I still love the idea of it, but the fact that a lot of the companies are, are requiring you to pick these things up and then, then like, within a day, you see people selling all of them they've collected at all their various bookshops around on eBay. It's just really not cool. Um, so I, I, I like the fact that it happens, and I think it still does bring in new readers. I hope so. But I would like to see it focus more on that.
0: Yeah, we um, usually try to get, a, you know, new readers. But it seems to be that it's usually the regular crowd. Yeah comes in as sort of a way for them to celebrate. And, um, you know, we get a couple of cosplayers. Like, Free Comic Day isn't, like, our big, huge thing. Our big thing for Comic Fusion is in October. But um, but it's still a lot of fun. And we, we usually have, like, you know, a few creators in. and um, it's, But, you know, they also do, for Halloween, They they give out small little... Comics that are very similar to to the Free Conflict Day comics, but they're like minis. Mm-hmm. They're like those flash um, cans. These yeah. Like yeah. Half sizing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so like Halloween is kind of like a, a, its own celebration too. Uh, which, you know, a lot of parents like stuff instead of candy for their kids. Same thing with Easter, you know, like kids like to, they, the parents come in and they. They buy, like, all the little gaming things, the hero clicks and the magic cards and stuff like that because it's not candy. So
1: Yeah, and, I, and I've got no issue with that at all, of course. I just, I just want, like, you know, the more people reading comics, the better, I think. So and I realize it's probably tough to get non-readers in, but that's what I think maybe the retailers need to push more. or, or um, It's really more about the regulars bringing somebody new in, I think. Like, bring a friend You don't read comics. Hey, this is a cool thing. Come so check it out. You don't gotta spend anything. I mean, it'd be nice. Maybe pick up pick up something, but you get a free comic. Check it out. So, um, I like to see it more more on on that vibe. But uh, it's still a great thing, you know. I just again, but I don't ever get to go, and I don't go because I, I am working. So.
0: Well, you mentioned, you know, working and. How do you think that the industry is handling that these days? I mean it's obviously um, you know since we were kids so how how do you think bringing in new readers? what kind of plan should they be
1: that to do? much smarter people probably have better ideas, but um i I don't know because I feel it's so um incestuous right now, where it's like it 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 really only appeals to. The hardcore readers a lot, especially with Marvel and DC, because if you were some random person that saw, and that's something that does bring in, people say they're not, but the movies do bring people in, and the TV shows will bring people in, and let's say they've never read comics, but they love the Batman movies, or they love the Avengers, and they go in, and they pick one up, they're like, what is happening? Who is this? Who are these people? I don't know any of this, you know? So at least Marvel, I think, kind of addressed that recently where they're trying to do, like, a book that was the, the movie Avengers. I'm like, okay, that's fair. You know, bringing in people that don't – won't be as convoluted of a story. But it's tough to go and pick up a DC or Marvel book if you don't know what's going on, uh, unless it's a brand-new number one. Even then, it's like you know, the character might have some convoluted back history, you know, that you don't know of. So – I, I think they're probably working on it, and they're thinking of new ideas every day. Again, probably have teams of much smarter people than I figuring this stuff out. But um, and I don't know what the solution could be besides the steps they're taking. It's like, hey, well, let's try to let's make special books for the non-readers, and if that upsets the regular readers, too bad. We're trying to bring in new people. So,
0: which book uh, really stuck with you throughout your life? Did you have like something that?
1: There's no seminal work, like I didn't read any of the big stuff. I, I do remember going to that bookshop as a kid, I remember in the sale bin was this whole twelve issue series called Watchmen and I asked the guy, I'm like, What's this Watchman thing? he goes, Oh, it's something, it's none of the characters. It's pretty cool, but it's none of the characters you know. I'm like, Oh well then I don't want it. So I didn't buy it. <laughs> so I could have had I could have had the twelve issues, you know, for like Probably young, like five bucks, you know? And I was like, oh, this is probably when I was a late teen, but still Um, I don't know. It's like, I I mean, I definitely read a lot of DC more as a kid and Crisis on Infinite Earth was one of my favorite things. And, and I definitely like some of that stuck with me, Such when like characters died, I was like, what? You know? And, um, like when super like that whole, that, that issue of Superman holding Supergirl and him bawling his eyes out. I'm not going to lie, I kind of teared up reading that story, you know, and it was just like, wow. And, um, and, and, like, the write, I thought the writing was really great in it, and some of the stuff I, I remember from that, like the funeral scene for her, you know, uh, it was just like, wow, really touching. So, I don't know, I guess that sort of, sort of stuck with me.
0: And what kind of stuff are you reading these days? Are you sticking with the, the mainstream books, or are you doing any, like- I
1: read everything. <laughs> read so much, because that's something i got to say the podcast introduced me to, and, and I may not have ever been introduced to, was, oh, there's... I mean, I knew there were other comics out there. Like, I knew about Dark Horse. I knew about Image, obviously, because when the Image explosion happened back in the day, and, and all these other companies, but I was like, oh, I didn't know about Top Shelf, or you know, now think place like first second and all these other little people just making their own comics. I'm like, what? So when I was introduced to that, by going to conventions, it opened up a whole new world to me. And that's mostly what I, re- I still read some ma- mainstream DC and Marvel. Um, but there's so much out there. It's tough to keep up. So I could love something because we review new books every week. So I could love the very first issue but then not notice when it comes out again till suddenly five issues down. I'm like, oh, I really like that first book. Maybe I should catch up on it. Um,
0: I do the same yeah. thing, but in much smaller volume. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, I still do a pretty small volume. And I'm lucky enough, and I don't want to say this to be like, oh, uh, like most of the companies, except for DC and Marvel, obviously because they're too big, um, will send me, I'm on the review list, and you are probably as well, maybe on the, the press review okay. list. And that's really nice. And and so I do often review a ton of Image and IDW and Dark Horse and Boom and, um, and those related companies, uh, even Titan Comics over in, in the UK have some fantastic stuff coming out, um, Valiant, all these other ones. So I read a lot more of those probably than I do, but I gotta say consistently, um, it's tough. Like I Walking Dead is still a perennial favorite, It's everybody's perennial favorite. But then, um, mainstream wise it changes all the time. I'm back on the Batman books. I was off for a while. I'm back on X Men books, um, cause I really like what Nenis is doing with them. Um Thor is one of my favorite series. Love it. Old and new. I think it's great. What Jason Aaron's been doing. All the great Star Wars books are coming out, are really nice. Um quite enjoy those. They're all really good. Um DC-wise, uh, Harley Quinton's one of my favorite titles. Um, yeah, but then, like, I, I pick, I read so much I read a lot. I just read this great graphic novel last night from one of my favorite UK publishers, Self-Made Hero, um, and I read a lot of their stuff. And, um, I read this one called Vincent by Barbara Stock, who's gonna be at MoCA this weekend, and I'm probably gonna interview her, and she's a Dutch cartoonist. And it's a, Graphic novel about Vincent Van Gogh, who was a Dutch cartoonist. You know, so um, it's pretty awesome. I love reading autobiography stuff. You know, stuff like Fun Home, and you know, just God. Julia Wartz is one of my favorite cartoonists. The stuff she writes about her, about her own life is fantastic. You know, so I love everything. It's like I, I, I go out of my way to try to read as many different things as possible.
0: I haven't read Fun Home, but I read the the book that came after that. Oh, are about you? her mom, yeah, yeah. Not as yeah. good.
1: It's very, it's no. quite good because Alison Bechdel is just a genius. But Fun Home is brilliant.
0: Yeah, I definitely love her style. Mm-hmm. But um, Fun Home, you know, I, I know this what it's about yeah. anyway, and it just opened on Broadway. Yeah. Like, can you believe that that is a Broadway musical? I know, in life? I
1: can't believe I haven't seen it yet because it opened off Broadway first, and I kept meaning to go. But now that it's on Broadway, I'm like, okay, I gotta go see this. So, because um, they got great buzz, which is why it moved to Broadway. So, yeah, I'd love to see that. And you know me, turn anything to a musical, I'll take it. So, <laughs>
0: I know that's why I you know I thought for sure that um, that you have some strong opinions about things like Spider-Man on Broadway. Yeah, and...
1: Doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, I, I again, I didn't see it. I, I gotta say. I've got, you know, um, I used to go see stuff all the times when I was an actor. My days off, I would go to TKTS, which is that discount ticket place in Midtown, and right. see a Broadway show for 40 bucks, at half price, you know, or I'd stand in line for uh, rush seats or, or get a, I saw Phantom of the Opera standing for, for standing. They, they used to – I don't know they filled it, but they had, like, standing areas you could, for 15 bucks, You know, it was, like, great. Now I don't go see anything, and it's a shame because there's so much, so many good things I want to go see. But often on my day off, I'm like, oh, I just want to chill with a friend, or if I'm seeing somebody else, I just want to chill with my girl, you know, whatever. And it's just like, I don't even think about going to theater. It's a shame because I was in the business for so long, it just sort of like fell on the wayside. So I'm gonna to try to rectify that and start going to see stuff more. But
0: I don't think I've been in like ten, eleven years. Wow. It's yeah. Been a long- I'm, I haven't
1: been to a Broadway show in a good year or two, which is a, a terrible shame because it's right there, you know? And
0: it, It's right there. It's also right there. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> no. So close.
1: And I just like, you know, and I, and I have friends in shows who offer, you know, I can get you house seats or on occasion get a free ticket. And 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 a lot of times I just like, oh, I just want to stay home and watch TV. Or, you know, I've got a dinner plan with a friend, you know. But, yeah, I need to start taking more advantage of, of like, uh, seeing stuff around. Like, we got offered free tickets at work for a show. And one night I could have went, but it was, like, the day after 600. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be kind of recovering from that. I don't know if I'm going to go. and I, So I never RSVP'd. I'm like, I should have went and saw that show. Why didn't I go see that show? But I will start endeavoring maybe to see more of that. So,
0: Well, there you go. You have a new goal. Yeah. <laughs> Do you set goals? Like, do you always think about the future? Do you, are you like, screw it living, dealing with today? And
1: Like it, if I wake up, I'm happy. I'm like, oh, I made it to another day. Awesome. No. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I definitely, you know, we'll have our little pipe dreams. Like I've been wanting to live in England for years, you know, and, and I'm started to make steps towards seeing if that could be a possible reality in the next couple of years. Um, you know, that's the only sort of big goal I've had recently. I was like, I'd like to live over there and check it out, maybe for a year or so. So, you know, I've been sort of putting feelings out, looking into that. And uh, But besides anything else, you know, I, less, I don't act anymore. I've, I've kind of started missing it a little, and I've thought about getting back into it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of just – I'm not a big plan ahead type person, so –
0: well, because I, I was wondering if you're ever going to actually, like, write down your cool story, your cool autobiography part
1: oh, about, yeah, you
0: know, that you wrote about on Facebook quite a while ago, if you were ever going to turn that into some kind of script, or... So there were definitely
1: plans years ago. It's about my sister and I, uh, just, I'll, I'm not going to tell the whole story here, it's just, uh, you know, I uh, grew up with an older brother, and my mom and dad got divorced when I was young, and then... In uh, 96, I found out I had a sister, in the year 2000, I found her, and we're really close now, she lives in Jersey, and we're the best of friends, and she's amazing, and I can't imagine not having her in my life, um, and it's a really amazing story, how I found her, and, and we had met when we were younger, we didn't know we were related, and um, yeah, so it, we had talked about it years ago about doing like a graphic novel of some sort, I had a, quite a few artists interested, and even if friends were like, "I'll do the cover," I'm like, "Sweet," you know. And um, but then it sort of fell on the wayside. And then I even thought about because when I would tell the story, I would sort of act out like my dad, my aunt, and my whoever else. And my friends like, "Why don't you do like a one man show?" And I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting idea. Very, you know, um, John Leguizamo, <laughs> you know, something like that, you know." And I was like, "That'd be interesting." But I don't know. It's like it's definitely. I think it's a pretty great story and anyone I've told it to like this would be a really good movie and um so yeah that's always sort of on on the back burner. I need to revisit that and and rewrite it and do these things and um I, I think maybe one day I will, but uh again I'm not I'm not sure what what medium I, w- I would take it into. I feel like going the comic book route would be good first just to have it like something to show people, like if they wanted to turn it into something else. Hey look at this. You know and um instead of just pitching them, you know, but um, we'll see, who knows.
0: Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I, I, I do think it's a touching story, and it's a feel-good story. Happy ending and, and
1: everything, you know, it's like, come on.
0: <laughs> I mean, and your sister is very cool and alive and well, yeah. and you know, has a couple of cool kids. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, it looks like I can even add the addendum to the story now, you know, and um, it's so great, so I just, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it's something I, I do need to revisit, rewrite, and um, figure out if there's a, you know, a medium to attach it to, or mediums, you know. So.
0: Cool. Yeah. So then, as far as like other comics go, um, you know, you mentioned the new Thor as the old Thor and Bat books and stuff like that. So, is there a character that you are frustrated with? But were that one that's like maybe fallen to the wayside that you want to see brought back because it seems like both of the main universes are being rebooted or relaunched yeah. or whatever reimagined.
1: Um, I mean, there's there's a few, I'm not necessarily frustrated, but I'd like to see brought back. Like, um, in Marvel, I was obviously always a fan, obviously, because I'm part Asian uh, of, uh, Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu. But it was completely a Bruce Lee rip-off. Everyone knows that. But um, I really thought this miniseries they did a few years ago was really cinematic and really cool, and they've really done nothing with the character, because I guess it's tough to figure out. I see something happen with him. Uh, there was this great... I love this TC character And Over the Years they on occasion, bring him back. And there was a couple miniseries they did over the years. Um, Ragman. I thought that Gosh. was such a cool character
0: yeah and say that one like he had I mean besides all the patch yeah. work, he had a cloak too mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's pretty bad, and like in each of the patches were like a soul of some sort or something like that, and um I thought it was such a cool character, and a couple of different minis really were, really captured my imagination when I read them back in the day um, I did hear I read an article recently, I forgot who wrote it um it might have been a it might have been Heidi or somebody on Heidi's site that wrote it um, on the beat about how Marvel's pushing the X-Men aside because of the movie stuff, because Fox owns the rights to most of them. And, and in the word mutant, they can't even use it just why in humans is becoming a big deal now. Um, and I'm just like, that's such a shame. Like I'm still reading the X-Men books now, some of them and and I'm in quite enjoying them. Um, I, I do feel like they don't have that feel like they had in the nineties and well I, I I read I got into X Men late. I got into X Men like early '90s and devoured them and like would get all these old back issues and and the '90s and 2000s were you know in the '80s for the heyday you know and um uh and it's just a shame like this it's arguably the X Men you know kept Marvel in business for years you know it was always the top selling comic and now they in the article is talking about how they've really pushed down the importance of the X Men in everything. Like even on the website, in the comics, and um, um, in the movies, and because uh, they don't want anything to do with it, because Fox, you know, doesn't want to share them, you know, and it's just like I, I understand the business side of things, but I think it's such a shame because they're such a big part of their universe, you know.
0: Especially because uh, I really don't know too much about the Inhumans at all, mm-hmm. but when it comes to the X Men, they really were about a cast being diverse, which is important to people, certainly now. Um, We talk about it more, but, I mean, you know, like, back when they started in the the 60s and 70s, it was, you know, they were the cutting edge. They were talking about things and stories that, you know, nobody dared talk about unless you saw like, like, basically, like, if you saw, like, the gritty old crime shows, like White Shadow or something, you know, they... They took it and they superheroed it. Yeah, those kind of stories about um, you know what what people were going through and how they felt different. And um, you know, I hope the Storm book is doing well. I have no idea what the sales on that book are.
1: Yeah, I don't. know. I read the first issue, quite liked it, but it again fell behind. I'm like, oh, I should pick that back up because I love Greg's work. Greg Pak, he's writing it.
0: Yeah, I haven't read any of it, and uh, you know, again, it's it's a shame. But you can only, like you said, there's there's a certain amount of support that you can throw around. Yeah,
1: but we'll see what happens. I mean, if, maybe. I'm obviously more. Like I, I think they even said like in one of the new video games, none of the X-Men appear. I'm like, that's weird. Oh, yeah, it's like in like one of the smaller video games. I'm like, all right, okay, but um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a shame because I feel like it's it, it's such a big part of their their world. And now that Disney and Marvel and ABC are all one, the powers that be at Disney are, you know, are probably have a lot to do with, you know, with
0: right. the business
1: decisions now, too. So
0: sucks because I loved X-Men Evolution and I would love to see more mm-hmm. of that on TV, you know, like either as the the cool animated show that it was. Yeah. It was pretty spectacular animated. Yeah, it was you know, see something like that in some kind of live action like they're doing with, you know, agents of shield Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's been a couple different mute type shows on, but mm-hmm. I, they never I don't know. There's something about them. I never got into them.
1: Yeah. It's like, I mean, to be fair, you know, the characters that Marvel didn't own, Spider-Man and X-Men were the ones that release shot the Marvel movie business into, into power. And, um, and then when they started making their own movies, you know, like, you know, when they came out, Iron Man did so well, they, hmm, suddenly they got something, because Spider-Man was in litigation for years, and, uh, and then they finally put it out. It was such a big success, you know, people were like, oh, look at this, we could, we could do this, and then when the first X-Men movie came out, they we like, whoa, that's amazing, and um, I still love those movies, but... Oh, yeah, they're fun. Yeah. Third one, not so much. Third X-Men, not so much, but that's all right. But <laughs>
0: It had its own. Yeah, it uh, that I really like. I actually really like the the Sandman part. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I'm probably the only one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all have our guilty pleasures. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I didn't. I wasn't so much into the the symbiote part, but I liked the Sandman stuff. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, all right. Well. We talked about local shops and everything, and you mentioned, do, you know, popping into Mocha. What other conventions are you getting to? this?
1: Well, I have to say, I, I've been sort of going to the same um, conventions the past few years, and I kept saying, okay, I need to go to different ones. But um, these are just so great. I love, like, the, the, the local show Mocha, the Museum of Comic and Cartoon, is this weekend. And it's great because it's just small press, you know, creator owned and you'll get a few people there that are, that are crossovers like Dean Hathbill will be there, you know, and Noel Stevenson who's starting to get a lot of amazing work, mainstream work as she should, cause she's amazingly talented. Um, and, uh, but then you get all these great European cartoonists over there. And I love just to me, discovering those, obviously they're already big in Europe, you know, but, or maybe they're not, but <clears throat> I'd love checking those out and seeing that. Uh, that's a great show. And and what's become another favorite show is TCAF, which is next, God, already next month. Yeah. It's in, uh, it's in May in Toronto, although I'm not sure if I'm going this year, but I usually am heavily involved in that show where I'll, you know, host some panels. I do tons of interviews there. Um, and that again is a very small press show. It's very like Mocha, but it attracts a huge crowd from, uh, around the world. Like there's always a big British presence there. And, a lot of the great Canadian cartoonists are always there. Um it's re- and it's just a really fun show. And I usually get a ton of interviews there and I also, you know, uh that's become a favorite show as well. Um Heroes Con probably is the favorite show every year, down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh that one I'm heavily involved in as well, where I host panels and I have a table and I do interviews all throughout the weekend. And that it's probably one of the most well respected shows on both sides of the table, both mainstream and indie, because they really they've always focused on having this indie island, you know, area and this whole, uh, you know, like Marvel and DC aren't there with tables or booths, but their presence is heavily felt because you get huge names from both companies, you know, tabling there. So it's a really great mix of mainstream and indie. Um, yeah, I mean, of course. San Diego is insane, and New York Comic Cons are coming the same way, and I like the new special edition, you know, the one New York Comic has added. Has added and, uh, yeah, there's so many shows.
0: <laughs> there is. It's ridiculous. I, I've seen, like, more shows in New Jersey pop up yeah. for this year than, like, in the last 10 years combined. Yeah. Like, they came out of nowhere, and I don't really think that Little New Jersey can support it, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but it's absolutely absurdly crazy how many shows are here now because they're all gonna be small shows. Yeah. Like you're just you're not gonna get New York numbers here. It's not gonna happen. No. And I remember I mean, people don't even come here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, I, I don't I, I quite enjoy the Garden State. I have nothing against Jersey. Um my sister lives there, for goodness sake. I've lived there for, you know, a while myself, so um I mean not just here, but in the UK new shows are popping up left and right and if people have figured it out by now, I'm a big Anglophile. And uh, there used to be only, like, the main show there used to be Bristol Comic Expo, and I first went in 2008 to that, and that was the big show. And that's sort of fallen on the wayside. I, I don't even know if it's happening this year. And now there's all these big shows. There's um, Thought Bubble, which is becoming one of the most respected and, and biggest shows there, is in the fall, mm-hmm. and Leeds, and all the MCM shows, and all the London Supercon, and... And uh, now they're having all these the, the Lakes uh, Festival and all these different ones all over England are popping up. Leicester and Cardiff has one coming up now too, and they have friends involved in that. And it's really great to see. I mean, guys, it's happening worldwide. All these little you know comic shows popping up out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I my friends in Australia always say that they need more because they're they're still pretty lacking. Like they have a couple, they have two like massively huge yeah, shows. Yeah,
1: Supernova and the other one. Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: So, um,
1: well, I remember back in the day when I first moved to New York in the, you know, like 90, 90 um, I would just seek out, um, comic shows. And I think at the time, Wizard would always list them, you know, Wizard Magazine would say, oh, this is a show in New York. And so my friend and I, and they'd be in these little hotel rooms, hotel, you know, ballrooms, taking up one room and maybe 50 tables. And I'll just go there, sort of like looking for old issues, and see the occasional person dressed. i remember seeing somebody dressed dressed up as stamper, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing <laughs> you know and um uh, and just buying little things there, and, you know and you might and then I wasn't really into who wrote or who drew them. I didn't know who these people were, and so I'm sure they are probably very well known who are probably friends of mine now <laughs> who are sitting at those tables. you know I didn't know who they were, um, but I remember those are very charming. And kind of fun to go to because, like, oh, these little shows going around, I'm, you know, might pick up a, a back issue of X-Men here or whatever and just sort of dive in mm-hmm. or bin dive, you know. And, um,
0: Actual maybe, time to talk to people. Yeah. yeah the smaller way. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Is there any that you haven't been to that you, like, that you know you really want to get to? Like, I've never been to Emerald City. I've never been to here. Yeah.
1: Um, Emerald City, I've been, because I know Jim, the guy that runs it. And for years, we've talked about it. Even early last year at New York, America, he's like, you're coming next year. I'm like, I want to come so bad. But it's so tough doing two West Coast trips in a year because, A, the expense, and, B, getting away, you know. And um, it's kind of tough because I always make my West Coast trip to San Diego. Like, I head to L.A. after to see my friends and do some set visits and things like that. Um, So, obviously, I already missed it. I would love to go to Emerald City out of be." American cons. That's, that's, that's probably the main one I haven't hit. You know, C2E2, I wouldn't mind checking out. Although, sure sure's very close to being just like New York City Comic Con since it's, you know, the same people that run it. Yeah. I um, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, Chicago, see Friends and see my old roommate Ben and see other people, you know, but, um, uh, but in England, I really want to go to Thought Bubble in Leeds because I know Lisa will be able to run that and all my friends go to that. I'm just like, oh, that's the show to go to and. uh that, that, so those are probably the main ones. I, I you know, even, I'm in MegaCon in Orlando because it's just sort of close to home where a lot of my friends are from Jacksonville and they, sometimes they drive down, like, Oh, you can ride back with us and, you know, and visit, you know, your mom and friends. And I'm like, yeah, that's an idea. But, um, yeah. So there's definitely a few I'd like to hit. Um, and now the more I think about it, I'm like, Oh, the Kansas city one, or this one, you know, just to see, and it but it's more so not just to check out the show, but it's to see friends and that's, what's great about conventions is because being in this sort of game for 10 years, podcasting, you know, it's like I had friends in the business before I started podcasting, which it helped that people like John and Paul were friends of mine because they would um, sort of introduce me to a lot of people. And, but now I've become friends with so many cartoonists. It's like it's such a fun thing. I'm just, I'm going to do interviews. I'm hanging out, but I get to hang out with my friends. So it's on I see only at conventions. So that's always a plus. It's like it's it's you know it's always just like I'm hang hey, I'm just gonna go hang out with my friends for the weekend. And yeah, that's yeah. great.
0: Yeah. I I yeah I can't imagine the the shows in London. That must be great. Yeah. Um Thought Bubble does seem really nice because, like you said, it's a very uh, like indie. Type of atmosphere, I guess. Very
1: show too. It's really great.
0: It yeah. just seems, uh, it just seems amazing. And Angoulême, um, I would oh, go God. to. Oh God, of
1: course Angoulême. Yeah, I'd love to go to. Like
0: if I, if I was with somebody who knew what they were doing, yeah. like, <laughs> like a French
1: person, I would love to be like. My French
0: is minimal. Like I can, you that know. Like he can probably speak the language. So. Yeah,
1: I've got quite a few cartoonist friends that go, and some of my European cartoonist friends and British ones go all the time. And I'm just like. And plus being a big wine person, I'm like, oh, I want to go visit, you know, wine country after that and whatever. But
0: um, i be so screwed because I gave up cheese
1: and oh. I don't drink.
0: So it's like, could you imagine going to France and not eating delicious cheese? Oh, no,
1: <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, I don't. I just got to say, if there's anything that would kill me, if I was told to be, give up, it would be cheese. I'm like,
0: I can't. I can't give it I up. Give it- I, I, would, I went back to because I I only went like one day but it's like if I went back now it would just be like bread like I would eat nothing but bread
1: oh god I would be cheesing and whining it up all over the country
0: crepes hook yeah. me up with crepes have that I mean yes I have I, haven't I gotta say there are certain <laughs> things that are in my life to stay forever
1: <laughs> it was, that's cheese and wine for me so yeah for sure <laughs> cheese, wine, bourbon strippers there we go that's all I need <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so if you know of a of a stripper and she speaks french
1: yes <laughs> I, I probably do
0: <laughs> yeah the last one that i that i met um god where the hell were we boston hmm. i'm like drawing a blank i can't oh, even remember boston's what that's a that good show was. too by the way yeah boston's becoming a <laughs> good show i can't remember even what city we were in um i don't know but it was this really beautiful strip club and yeah, the girl was like from, she has this gorgeous dark hair and she was from Russia or something and I was, and she has this amazing accent. I'm like, I could just like listen to you talk. Like if you're smoking hot yeah. and you have voice it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a, some friends in that
1: business and I might might have dated one or two back in the day, so <laughs> nothing wrong uh, yeah. with it. I got no issue with it, I can take.
0: No. I make that especially- coin awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was hilarious because she was telling me that... I don't know if she was hired or how it happened, but she ended up attending San Diego Comic-Con, like, not even ever expecting to be there, and going dressed as, like, Silk Spectre. Yeah, nice. Oh, do you know Silk Spectre? I'm just like, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, so this this is the kind of chat that you have with the stripper that I... You know, the clubs I go...
1: Well, it was, like, at... um. Heroes Con, the first year I went, there is a club that gentlemen frequent right down the road from the main hotel. And so a bunch of us went and we met some, some of the girls were huge comic nerds and, they, and the next day we saw them at the show and every year, like there was one I used to see every year when i go down there. I, I, don't go, I haven't been down to the club in ages. But um, she'd always come to the show. I'm like, oh,
0: hey, how you been? You
1: know, Still at the club? Like, yeah. So, so some of them are nerds too.
0: They are. I don't have money to go, but I was taken because it was my Mm -hmm. birthday. There you go. Just come with me. (laughs) Special. (laughs) Like,
1: what are you buying me? (laughs) Sure. I might not make it rain, but I can make it sprinkle. So it's all
0: right. (laughs) If you're well connected.
1: Uh, No couple people. (laughs) But yeah, Boston is actually, that's another one you brought that up. Boston is becoming a a pretty good show, too. I've gone a couple of times. I've enjoyed it. Baltimore too. Yeah. I've been to Baltimore in years. You've probably been to Baltimore when I have, but I love the Baltimore show too, and um, yep. I need to get yeah. back to that one.
0: I do love that show. They've kind of outgrown their space a bit. Same thing with Boston. Boston's changed spaces a few yeah. times. Yeah. And that's it's good, but it's hard to manage yeah. when you're going through there, and there's you can't even move. Yeah, that's and, what happened yeah. with
1: HeroesCon. HeroesCon doubled in size two years ago. They um, because used to take up a very small area of the convention center, and then two years ago they decided to double it. and It was really weird. It just felt really weird. No, last year I was used to it, but the first year it was really strange because it was such an intimate show. You can just you could lap it in you know half an hour, and it was really great. Uh, and it's still a set a great show, but it is it has gotten bigger because um, it is a very successful show. So that's that's good to see. I'm glad to see them grow. But sometimes I, I miss the intimacy of of those smaller shows.
0: Yeah, that was why I really liked Baltimore so much. Was because yeah. it was a medium size. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't basically like a flea market. It was a nice, right. well put together show with really good, you know, panels and artists that were that would attend. Um, and now it's just very claustrophobic. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. It's like, mm. I get it. It's great. I'm glad to see all these people coming. You know, it's just like sometimes trying to get through, like, even New York Comic Con, even getting through the Artist Alley last oh. few times was like, oh, my God, this is, like, the main floor almost. It's insane. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, i like to stay in Artist Alley there now.
1: Yeah. And the main floor, I definitely still hit just because I, you know, want to check everything think, out. But
0: Yeah, because some people are definitely going to be small press, like mm-hmm. Action Lab yeah. can't really fit in Artist Alley. Right, so.
1: yeah, for sure.
0: You know, and they're great guys, and I love to see their their stuff.
1: Yeah, me too. They're really putting out some really good stuff too. I'm, really, I'm glad to see like these small, smaller companies are putting out like Action Lab, Black Mass Studios are all you know, coming up out of here and uh, putting out some good stuff recently. So nice to see.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, so a, a convention that's more the size of Baltimore, they're probably they probably have more time to talk to you. Yeah. In, in New York I mean at least in New York like when I was there and, um, and I finally it took me forever to find where Action Lab was because they were oh yeah the, last
1: year they were away I was like what I kind of stumbled on them, like oh hey guys <laughs> you
0: know. I was in a really strange location last yeah. year but um so I got to see Eric Grissom and Jamal and mm-hmm. I wanted to meet, I saw that, notice that Marcus Williams is there from Hero Cats, and he was talking to a woman, so I didn't want to interrupt him because they were having a good time, he was just sketching these cats on the covers and um, talking to her for like a good 20, 25 Uh, minutes, and he finally saw me, and he was like, did you need something? And so I was like, I will wait. I just want to meet you, and I ended up, you know, podcasting with him a a couple months ago. you no, know, I needed. I just, I, I, I love the book so much that I, I didn't care how long I stood there. Oh,
1: see, but see, that's my, that's my annoying superpower, is that walking up to a table to say, just say hi to a friend, literally just say hi, and some fan or not even a fan, someone just random person walking by, just starts talking to them, and of course they don't want to be rude and say excuse me, you know, like, and about nothing, or or even like some some person they're trying to sell to. And they'll spend ten minutes talking to the person, the person walks away with nothing. And that drives me crazy. I'm like, I just want to say hi, stop talking to them about nothing. <laughs> um, but that's what they're there for, so um, Yeah,
0: you at panels too. Like obviously I I get that people are nervous. Mm-hmm. Some of them are so incredibly nervous that you can tell that their thoughts are sort of like exploding in their head as they're trying to ask their questions. Mm. Yeah. At the you know, at the end of the panels there's usually, not always, but they try to leave five minutes for Q&A. Right. And, and there'll be somebody who takes a whole minute just to try and figure out words. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know what your question was. Yeah. No idea. Yeah,
1: that's funny. Like, what I had at the table the Comic-Con used to do for the podcast Arena um, you know, we have people sit down, do yeah. <laughs> sit down and do signings and, um, a lot of the fans would come. Other times people would just approach the table and not knowing who any of us were and just start talking to us about nothing. We're like, um, okay, well, and I could be sort of not, not rude, but I could sort of be the one to dismiss them. Because, like, well, there's a line forming. They want to meet this person. They actually know who they are, you know, or <laughs> something like that. I'm like, okay, did you want anything else you needed? Great, we're going to ask you to move along if you can't make some people that want to meet this person. <laughs> oh, well, who is it? I'm like, just come back later. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> like, and that's fine. You know, they're it's kind of socially awkward. They're not sure what to do. And I'm like, that's okay. It's just, uh, it, like, they, they don't know when to say goodbye, you know, the whole thing when to kind of hang out. So I've gotten really good at the – um what I call the Royal Shakeaway, which apparently the Queen does this in England. Like, when she meets you, she shakes your hand, but shakes you away. And it's pretty amazing. So you're kind of like, oh, I guess I should be going now. Great.
0: <laughs> so like,
1: oh, it's great to meet you. No, keep moving. All right.
0: <laughs> uh, so so there's no more Podcast Arena. No, they
1: discontinued it last year. Um, And to be fair, a little relieved because... Comic News Insider was the point person for it, so we sort of, I guess, ran it in a sense because we were the point people with New York Comic Con to organize it and gather all the other podcasters, and it was a lot, a lot of work, and I don't think many people appreciated it or understood it. (laughs) a lot of work I went into to organize it every year, or Joe was doing it full-time, or both of us were doing it. You know, uh, it was tough, Just not just organizing the other podcasts, because you get people that would drop in or drop out or get upset they didn't get a spot, or, you know, and then when they did get a spot, they did nothing with it, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, they gave us a really great deal on these tables. Like, they were, you know, like, most of those tables are usually four times as much, you know, and, um, and I'm like, use this table to your advantage, you know, and, like, bring, bring – Bring stuff to you and get have people do signings and um and most people did and it was great, um and but besides the other podcasters, our table we always had massive amounts of signings from you know cartoonist to sometimes a an actor you know and um to uh, we would do a, a raffle every year and uh, giveaways all this other stuff and it was just it was really fun it was nice to have a home base, but last year when I was like. Oh, we don't have to organize all that this year. It was sort of a, <sighs> all right, not too bad. So, I, I don't mind that we don't have it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a shame to lose it, but they, every year, the past few years, they kept putting us in like worse and worse spots. And yeah, when they, when the year before we were in, we were in Artist Alley, which I felt terrible about because, especially when we were doing our our um, uh, raffle. I, I, luckily, I was sitting next to like, a friend, Will Sliney, that I'm sure some of the other artists I didn't know, we were kind of like, I wish like, I would shut up with that raffle thing, you know, because <laughs> that would last 15 minutes, you know, twice a day, and we'd be yelling out, hey, the hell wants this, and number, here's your number, and uh, so that part was like, I was like, okay, we should meet in Artist alley, we should have been on the main floor somewhere, but I get it, they want to sell the table, so they, they make more money selling the table, so it makes sense, right. makes sense.
0: Well, maybe we can get, like, you know, more like a podcast panel, you know, yeah. so that if people questions to podcasters, that could be done.
1: I, I, I do enjoy like, every year San Diego they have one, and last year was the first time I wasn't on it. It um, all's fine with that. It's just like, um, I feel like it's the same panel every year, where it's just like, okay, we're all the podcasters up there, you know, they bring in new blood here and there. And it's just sort of like the same stuff. So if we could figure out something for New York this year, I don't know if it's too late to submit. It might be, but I don't know. Well, maybe not. It's only April. Um, to submit for a panel and come up with something really fun and interesting to do, I think it'd be cool. Instead of just having a bunch of podcasts that they are going, yeah, we all do the show, and, and this is what our show's about. And, and you know, on occasion you get people like, oh, well, how do you get podcasts? What do you do? And, you know, and that's what it's good for. But I think it needs a new angle, you know, something sort of – uh Creative. Make it a little more creative and fun, you know, for not you know, just us, but the you know, the audience as well. So let's put our heads together. Maybe we could figure out something for, for New York Comic Con.
0: That sounds like a plan. Because yeah. I will also get special edition. I, I don't really have any plans um, for what I'm doing mm-hmm. there, except walking around and having a good time, you know, going yeah. to panels.
1: Well, they actually uh, just contacted me recently about, about something. So I, I, don't, I may have something going on there. We're not sure yet, so.
0: Okay, good, because I know that their, their panels, like, their submissions just closed. I was yeah. trying to get something together, mm-hmm. but it just, like, wasn't enough time. Yeah, yeah. And I will be in Brooklyn, though, for the first Flame Con. What? For the first FlameCon was, uh, it was Kickstarter-supported, and it's the first LGBT uh, Comic-Con that, you know, was on the books anyway for the for the New York City area, even though it's in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I know that there's another one now. There's another there's a like a couple uh, small
1: Brooklyn ones. Yeah, Brooklyn Comics Graphic Festival or something like that. And
0: there's that one. Yeah. But I mean another like gay specific friendly con, I think in, in a different part of the city. But um so Flame Con funded through Kickstarter. Oh, that's cool. So uh that's gonna be in June oh, in Brooklyn.
1: Right on. Excellent. Yep. So more cons, hey? Why not?
0: Cons? <laughs> um, you can wear. They have a. They have a mascot. You know, a flame eye with like.
1: Uh, I think they pie. missed a trick. They should make Flame Princess from Adventure Time their mascot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, I don't know. He's like this pretty wild outfit, and they got a guy to wear the costume and everything.
1: <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Very
0: cool. Cool. Well, I will let you go.ing You can. You yeah. can give me the, the royal shake away wave. <laughs>
1: yes goodbye. It's so great talking to you. Oh, now, just need to run off now, so thanks. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, coming on. It's been years in the making we've talked about this, and uh, if I ever figure out Skype to record on my side, or if I can drag you into the city one day, I have to have you come co-host with me one time.
0: So, uh, at one of these shows, we will, you know, you'll, you'll get to, um, you know, have to deal with my presence.
1: Oh, uh, no. It'll be nothing but a pleasure, my dear.
0: Gotcha. You <laughs> soon, all right, thank you. All right, bye. bye.